Coming to you from the land down under, this is the Inbound Outbound Podcast. Your number one source for actionable sales and marketing interviews for small to medium-sized businesses. If you're a business owner or salesperson in need of a good laugh and some great information, this is the podcast for you. And now your host, James Wright. Hello, closers, and welcome to episode double digits 10 of Inbound Outbound, a sales and marketing podcast for the business owner and sales professional, providing you with insights today to grow your revenue tomorrow. This week, I'm absolutely nervous, Anthony. Last night, I lost syllogical, I can't pronounce it, syllogical arguments. And and the day after, we have a speaking coach as a guest. speaking coach. Dave Price, executive speaking coach, 37 years. Oh my goodness. Dave, welcome onto the show. And thank you, but do get my name right. It's David. David, David Julian yeah. Price. Always Can we do that again? Always. No, no, it's <laughs> his best lesson of the lot. Get people's names right. So let me tell you a story. Go on. I'm a marriage celebrant. Oh, I've been marrying people since 1985. I've married 900 women, but I've also married 900 men, Blokes. as well as my wife. And I learned really early on that people's names are really important. And in business, that's one of the best lessons I reckon you can learn. I look at people, and they meet people who have an unusual name. And they either muff it through or they ignore it completely. And for people, their name is the most important thing in the, in, in the world. And people think that doesn't matter in business, but, boy, it does. It yeah. really matters. Get people's names right. Top tip. So, James, there we are. There so we go. There we go. I've already got my ass handed to me. Yeah. What was that? Two minutes, 54 seconds in. Five yeah. minutes in. We've got a top tip. There and, we are. And I also think that's the first time on the podcast I've been told off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? People say, oh, I couldn't do that. But if you've got an unusual name or if a person has an unusual name and someone in business meets them and they're obviously struggling and that person says, look, help me say your name properly you're much more likely to get the business than not get the business because I can guarantee no one else will have asked how to pronounce their name. If you're in business, don't be afraid to say, help me say your name correctly. And they will do it. They will do it. I don't think I'll just anything. Tell you straight yeah, away. I think whatever you need in business, I think you should just be forthright can't and say it because, yeah, a name is just key to one of those be things. honest, yeah. Yeah. Now, Dave, a speaking coach. What did he just do? He segued. I did. Yeah, I did. Yeah. But he segued using what name? David. <laughs> oh, no! So, lesson number two. Look at you, Listen, lesson number two. Once you know the name, You've use done that it. To me. I cannot believe. Oh. I'm going to blame you for that. I was actually going to cancel that whole segment out, but now I'm going to leave wow. it no, just, no, no. just leave for that. Now, so, oh, let me I give you, let me give you lesson now. number two. Lesson number two. Listen. People say, I don't remember people's names. You ever heard that? Yes. You want to know how to learn people's names? Please. So, here's the tip. You probably weren't expecting to go down this rabbit hole, but never no, mind. No, but this is the Here's fun the of it. <laughs> okay, we'll play with you, James. All right. So I'll we like meet. Played with. You, we meet. Hi, I'm David. Hi, David. You won't finish that. You'll say something else. Hi, David. I'm James. That's what you'll say. <laughs> so you've got the script. Hi, I'm David. Hi, David. I'm James. How Hi, are you? Hi, James. <laughs> so the first thing is you repeat the name. Yes, of okay. course. Yeah. Hi, David. Hi, David. I'm James. Hi, James. So you repeat the name. Now, the next one is easy. Then you use it. Then whatever the conversation is, you just throw in James all the time, okay? And people will say, oh, that sounds a bit odd, but not to James because James is his name and he likes the sound of his own right? We all like the sound of our own name. Jimmy so use the loves names. the sound of his own name. <laughs> so time. that's the second tip. So first tip is you repeat the name when you hear it. Yep. So people say, I don't remember names. It's not that they don't remember them. They didn't hear them in the first place because many times, particularly in networking events, they're so nervous they don't actually listen for the name. And they can be there. So we'll run this. This is the little voice in your head. Hi, I'm David. Hi, David. I'm James. Yeah. So what do you do? Now, my little voice is going, oh, shit, what's his name? He just said it, and I didn't remember it. It's as quick as that because people don't listen for the name. So you've got to be focused on listening for their name. That's active listening, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. Anthony's not good at that, though, is it? No, <laughs> no not at all. Now you can go down whatever you planned. No, no so not to, at all. To circle back to that. And, there were so many things in there. I just want quick. The DJ that. thing. So I actually, I feel as a DJ, I trained my brain to forget people's names because I used to be – Everybody used to come up to a DJ stand and say, hey, I'm 
X on Y. Is that because in the morning after? Uh, no, that night. <laughs> and, and it was all the pretty ladies. And they, I used to forget it because I know, knew that I wouldn't meet them again. I just did not make a point of remembering anybody's names. And now, like you say, I struggle to remember names yeah. moving forward. But you think back, Anthony, when you were a DJ, just imagine if you did remember people's names and when you're doing your patter in between and you mentioned, oh, there's Cherie over there doing a blah, 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 and there's Henry doing a such and such, they're going to say, gee, that DJ was really good. He remembered my name. Yeah. So people actually attach a huge amount to whether people remember their names or not. Top More than tip. people think. I think it's more impressive if you've gone away, you've learnt their name, and then you come back at another event or another point in time. And you know it then. And you know it then. So how do you do that? So this is the third tip about remembering names. So the first one is repeat the name. The second one is say it, use it during the conversation. The third is see if you can tag their name to something. Okay, I'm looking at you and I'm trying to think what I might do because I always find this the most difficult one and this is the most most difficult one. Is this one. the same principle of when you're trying to remember something and you're walking through a house? and you're Exactly. Okay. It's yeah. a memory okay. palace. Yep. Yeah, it's a memory palace. <laughs> okay, but, we, but the point is in this one we've only got one thing to remember and that's your name. For you, I'm really struggling how I would remember James for you. Pretty um, rememberable, you're fine. Yeah, I know you're memorable in other ways, so we might remember you because of other things. So along the way, you, you'll usually Most get people do. It's normally bad behaviour. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. So I might be going into something like Jimmy, which I know is not what you prefer, but yeah, you don't have to know what I've gotten. No, of on. course not. No, it's and how you I, remember it. And I might remember you, tag you with Jimmy. I went to school with a kid called Jimmy. I can picture him. So I now pick, put the picture of him with you and there's the link and you don't know what the link is. It's just that I remember no, your name. For me, I always remember faces. I don't know why. Unfortunately, David, you've, we caught up a little while earlier and you said, oh, hi, James, I remember you. I'm like, oh, shit. Where was that? Oh, this, yeah. is this might be a really one of the reasons why, because I try and blank this out my memory, Anthony. <laughs> District 32, which would have been, it must have been my very first ever networking event because I only went once or twice. Yes. And that was, we know how, we just spent an oh, hour last week going over how much I don't like. last episode. <laughs> and look, the Anybody? other thing is just don't beat yourself up when you can't remember where you met someone. just doesn't matter. Just get on with the business that you need to do. Yeah. I do think, though, there's a little bit of social, not social proofing, that's not the right word, but so, like social acceptance of bothering around it a little bit. You're going, oh, yeah. oh, I'm so sorry I forgot your name. Oh, it's I'm, fine. Yeah. I use my age. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have that. <laughs> All right. I'm going to segue. Go on. Because I wanted to know, you're one of Perth's top speaking coaches. Yep. What does that entail and who is your target market? Okay. So a couple of questions in there, Anthony. The first is there's two aspects to, to speaking, I guess. One is public speaking and one is presentation. I work with business people on presentation, except a lot of them haven't yet done public speaking. So public speaking is the, Are they not the one first the step. No, they're completely different. You need, you need to learn public speaking. That's the base level, if you like. But what that really is all about is confidence. Public speaking is all about confidence, getting the confidence to speak, and then you learn some skills along the way. But then when you're in business and you really need to present at a networking event or at a conference or at a seminar whatever, or at a workshop or you invited people to your business to show them around, then you're really presenting. Now, obviously, you fall on your public speaking skills, but I work in the area of presentation skills, so I work on high-level presentation skills. So people who are really senior, who have a message that's got to get across and my tagline is when the message counts. When it really matters, it's got to be right. And the huge understanding that people don't get, either in public speaking or in presentation, is they think the content is the important bit, and it's not. The presentation or the delivery is the important bit. So you've got content and you've got delivery of the content. So I can give it to you really simple. It's Anyone can understand it. You can have the best content in the world, but if you present it badly... It's a bad presentation. Gotcha. The irony is, it's rare, but it happens, you can have really bad content but present it really well and people think it's pretty good. So that's the irony. But I work in the area of getting people to have their content come over in exactly how they need to. And so that's more the delivery 
than the content. But I'd work with people also. I'm working with someone at the moment who's got to give a presentation on at International Women's Day, and we're working on the content with her as well, and then we work on the delivery. It's the presentation. And see, the problem that people have in business, there's lots of problems in relation to speaking, but people, in my experience, simply don't value that skill until they get it. Mm. Once they get it, then they really understand the value of it. And the reason they understand the value of it is because once you can present really well, doors open. So talk to me about that. What are the key skills that I need to learn to open those doors? What are the tips? First one is the one I've just said, and that is awareness. You have to understand that it's a skill in itself. So the people that have the most problem with that are people in business from a technical background. So they might be IT, they might be engineers, they might be HR, they might be medical or science, all of those sort of people. Introverts. Because they actually lawyers is another one. Really? Because they all of those professions, and obviously I'm generalising, yep. but all of those professions are trained content. So, James, you've just started a law degree. It's just full of content. It's just content, content. Now, and you're going to come across some really great lecturers and you're going to come across some real duds. And the good ones are going to be the ones who can present that content in a way that makes sense, in a way that's meaningful. So they don't, the answer, the first tip, Anthony, is they've got to be aware that content is only half the equation. It's now, how do I present that content? That's the area that I work in. That's my space. That's my zone of genius. Turning some content into, okay, how do you deliver that? And nearly always, I have to say to you, we have to rewrite the content. Because coming again back to those technical people, but only the technical people, but not only the technical people, what they do when they prepare for a presentation, the ones who don't understand this stuff, is they write a paper. And so they write a written document, whereas if you're presenting, you've got to write a spoken document, except I don't get them to write. We prepare in another way. But they prepare a spoken document, not a written document, and they're completely different beasts. They're completely different beasts. So the other tip is don't write out your presentation. Okay. So you've got to think in chunks. I feel like that's controversial. Yeah, because most people will dial up the old Microsoft PowerPoint. And, and nowadays they'll dial up chat GPT and there's all their words and they think they're done. And depending on the quality of what they've given chat GTP or any other AI application, that will determine the quality of what comes out. But, of course, that's missing a whole range of questions. So if I'm talking to a client about doing a presentation, I asked you, before we started recording, who's the audience? Yes. Because you've got to know the audience. Now, I ask a whole range of questions about the audience before I start preparing. So I want to know obvious size. I want to know the venue. I want to know about the, but about the audience, obviously the size. I want to know the gender split. I want to know the age range. I want to know the background. I want to know if they're from a particular industry. I want to know where they fit in the corporate hierarchy. Are they low in the hierarchy? Are they middle or are they high? Because that's going to have a whole impact on the Words examples that, that I yep. use. Yep. So I'll give you a perfect example there's no point in standing on a stage and talking to an audience and using the example of, okay, you get into your Toyota Camry if all of the people are driving BMWs or Mercedes. You've lost the audience in one go because they think this guy doesn't understand us. So you've got to, and that sounds exactly silly. So we don't rock up to a construction site in a Porsche. Exactly. Yep. It's exactly right. So you've got to absolutely know your audience and that will determine your content and you spend a lot of time on the content, but once you've got the content, that's half done. Now you've got to work out how A to, lot of this seems to, to me like brand. You know, you're talking about coming and making sure you don't drive your Prius or a Camry to somewhere that has BMWs and Mercs. This seems to be a lot more than just speaking. It seems to me a lot more, a lot more about a personal brand and getting on brand, especially maybe in a speaking way, but you seem to be taking it a little bit further than that. Absolutely. Yep. If you're doing a pitch at a networking function, for instance, yep. or a 30-second number, any yep. event, whatever, yep. your pitch is this. your verbal business card. Okay. Now, people spend a lot of time working out working on their business card to make sure that it's right, but I they don't. don't. But they wing it. <laughs> but they, I 
You know what? I'm a. I have to put my hand up to that. Really? Why I would do. you do it? Why would you do a business card when you can put your number in their phone? Yeah. As in the thirty second pitch. Because oh, wing it. I don't prepare and oh, I should. I it was a business card. And the pitch could so be we've more effective. Up two rabbit holes here, and we're going to go yeah. down both. All right. So the first <laughs> is you hit the nail on the head. Ninety percent of the people I work with, perhaps more, wing it. Yes. And you cannot wing it if you're serious in business. No, because you've got to have a structure and a Yeah, you've got to you've got to hit the nail on the on the head. What was the other thing you said? Because I've completely Oh yes, it was I the, know, business, the business card. It was card. the business card piece. So let me give you a little tip. Now I'm sixty eight years old. I know I'm an old fart, but that's me. Most of the people I know in business are in my age group. I got a business card the other day from someone. It was black, it had red print. And the phone number and email address, I'm, I used to be in a print broker, so I'm pretty good yeah. at knowing about text and that sort of thing. It was four-point type. I know what four-point type looks like. Even with a magnifying glass, I could not read it. It just sounds kinky for straight off the bat. <laughs> but, James, Why? you wouldn't believe the number of business cards I get from They're people awful. in business where the numbers are too small, and here's the reason. The graphic artists are all in their 30s and 40s, and their eyesight hasn't gone yet. You talk to almost any optometrist, I'll tell you, when you get to 45, 50, your eyesight plummets no matter what. So my rule of thumb when you're doing a business card is yep. your email address and your phone number needs to be minimum 10-point type. The graphic artists will go, oh, yuck. The graphic artists don't understand business. Yeah. They don't understand marketing. They don't understand this is the key to business. What's 10-point type, though? The numbers on a phone when you type it into someone's phone and you save your name in their phone. <laughs> well, that depends, that there you depends go. on the settings I put in there. Yeah, but to be honest, that's the way I like to go about it. So I actually don't use a business card because you know why? 90% of business cards go in the bin. Oh, I understand So put a that. QR code on your business card yeah, and they scan that no, and no, nobody no, goes into their business card. been to a networking card? event, though, where you've grabbed all these cards, you stuck them all in your pockets, left back, back pocket, front yeah. pockets and all that. You get home, you've dumped them out. Next week, you can't find them again. So, James, you ready for next lesson? Yeah, I'm after it. <laughs> I understand exactly what you're saying, but I don't agree with you. That's okay. Not many people do, it, I'm finding on this. Uh, hold on. <laughs> it depends on your audience. Now, if you're talking to an audience or you're meeting people <laughs> who are 50 plus, most of them would rather have a business card than put it on their phone. And the reason is if they're a little older, if they're 55, 60, they won't know how to put it on their phone. No, that's so, why I do it for them. Yeah, but you're in a busy situation. I know people who wouldn't let you put it on their phone. That's true, yeah. yeah. So it comes back to knowing your audience. So if you're going to an older audience, have business cards that are easy to read. So we've gone down. I've got a business card. I've just put a QR code that will scan into somebody's phone. So you can just, I don't have to type it in. And I do that. scan this. I've got one of those at the moment, yeah. And we're getting an Australian distributorship for a magnetic card. Just tap it and it automatically Bluetooths into the phone. So Even though I'm an old fart, I'm a bit of an early adopter. So I also would use QR codes, but most of my colleagues would, would not. They yeah. wouldn't have the faintest clue what to do with it. Some of them don't even know what it is. They look at it and say, what's that? Just so so it all comes down, so it links perfectly with what we're talking about speaking. Absolutely. You yeah. have to know your audience. So my bet Top is this, this was a personal trainer, the card I told you about the other day, the black one with oh, the red print okay. four point. He's not going to get any work because my wife, who is fine with her eyesight, couldn't read it either. Really? Couldn't read it either. Disappointing. So, yeah, there's so, a pause. Look, a natural no, no. pause. No, it was a so, natural pause because I was going to just about to make a joke saying until next week when you come across them again in your networking group. <laughs> I want to know, I want to really dial in because it's going to help me, the pitching because I think you are awesome at that. Top tips for getting together and what's known in the industry is your elevator pitch. So, you know, you've got 30 seconds in elevator. How do I go about explaining what I do and, hey, you may need my services and come along for the journey? So most people get their pitching wrong for the reason you said before, where you very bravely admitted that you wing it. Oh, so most people wing it. That's the first thing you've got to get rid of. I've got to come Remember, to a workshop. your pitch is your, is your you verbal business card. So it's a very simple formula, four or five parts depending on the situation. So most people start their pitch with their name, Okay. My mop formula puts the name at the at the end because no one cares about your name until they know what you do and whether you can be useful to them. So what you've got to do, there's my phone. That's all right. Buzzing. It's normally my phone. 
<laughs> so phone jar, actually. The first step is get rid of your name from the beginning of your pitch. Yep. Put it at the end, but we'll get to that in just a second. So your first thing has to be a grabber. Yes. So you have to grab the audience. You have to Usually make humor. them. Maybe no, mate, not maybe not. Tag humor. On. It could just be. It could be something scary. The opposite of humor. Make potential but, possible. But it's got to be a grabber. So it's got to be make people. If they're sitting in the networking function, they're looking at their lunch and they're looking at the chicken Caesar salad, and they see anchovies in there and they didn't order, and then there's a grabber comes along. It makes them look up. So the grabber has to make them look up, and it, it's it's just a one. Phrase. It's a statement. So we'll work on you, James. Come on, you're a guinea pig today. I love it. What do you do? Currently, I'm a state sales manager for a company called Everthought Education. We do construction education. So we, the way I like to pitch it is that we are educating the global construction workforce of tomorrow. Okay, so that's that's a nice wanky sort of uh, line. <laughs> it's the only okay. way I do it. But it might be after this the way you used James? to do it. It may be the way no, you I, do it. I, last twenty four hours, my mind has been challenged more often than not. I'm all okay, for James. It. Stop talking. Pay attention. Yes. Now, <laughs> we've got to find a grabber for you. So essentially, what does the organisation do? Tell me again. I know we, you just told me, but tell no, me again. So we're a construction education company. So we. Yeah, but what we, do you want to do? So we do cert, we educate people in Cert 3s or diplomas or Cert 4s in construction-based backgrounds. So that could be carpentry, brick and block, painting and decorating, doing construction management. And we do that internationally and we do that domestically. So there's two different... That's enough. That's enough. Okay. So I'm just thinking aloud for a tagline to you could be... Sorry, not a tagline. A grabber for you could be something like, I'm a builder. I build talent. So it's got to create curiosity. Yep. Curiosity is the most powerful thing that people can use when they're speaking. And if you use it in your very first line, you've got it. Okay. But let's just go down tiny little rabbit hole for just a second, the short one. Pitches don't have to be long. No, absolutely so not. Some of the shortest pitches that I've seen are the best and the best I've ever seen, not necessarily the best pitch, but the best for being a short one is simply this. If you've got a block drain, call me, Paul, the plumber. I've heard that a few times in yep. networking groups. I've heard a couple. I've heard a good accountant one. I've heard a good virtual assistant one. There's lots. Yeah. So you create a grabber, a grabber that's different, a grabber that's interesting. One of the ones that I have used occasionally, because I experiment all the time, as you can imagine. Give me yours. Give us yours. Oh, I'll just finish this one, okay. the grabber, and then I'll give you mine. Well, I'll give you my whole pitch, but I'll do that at the end. So the grabber that I have used lately is I'm a miner. I mine gems in people. And then you've got to go on to explain it. Okay. Because I've built the curiosity. So that, you don't so quite you, know what it so, means. Yeah, so you, this is almost like a syllogical argument. I learned this last night. So you've basically you've raised your issue, which is your one-piece statement. Now you're going to go into your major premise. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So in, in yours, the syllogical argument, we've, the grabber is just the context, the teaser, yep. so to speak. It's just a teaser. Okay, so that's step one. <clears throat> step two are what I call your pigeonhole. You've got to, people have to know where you fit, okay? So for you, I'm in sales, but you're not really in sales because that's not what you're pushing. That's just what you do. I'm in construction education. Correct. Okay? There's your pigeonhole. So you've got your grabber, you've got your pigeonhole. Now you say what you do. Go on, tell us what you do. We provide a wide range of certificate threes and diplomas. And, and so on. Yeah. So there's step three, what you do. Now we need to know what? A rule. No. We need to bring it down into a... No, what do we need to know now? You're in a wet networking function. Where? No. Stick with the WH though. Who? When? Oh, who? Okay. Who do we do that for? Who is our ideal client? So you say, our ideal client is... What's your ideal, cli your ideal client? One of the major builders. I no, just no, say, we work with major building companies. <laughs> our ideal client is any company who employs builders or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Now the crucial one. What makes me different is. What makes me different, yes. What makes me different is, okay? So let's pretend we're a bookkeeper. What do bookkeepers do? They all do exactly the same thing. They think they're different, but they're not. They all do the same thing. So they've. this is the bit they find challenging, what makes them different. So then you've got to say exactly what makes you different. It would be better to be honest and transparent. 
Meaning? What are you meaning? You've just said we could go a little shock and awe. I'm feeling for bookkeepers, a little shock and awe wouldn't be a bad thing. Go, I'm absolutely no different to Billy Mates down the road, but the difference is I'm right here right now with a bit of personality and I'm here to brighten ah, up your well, books. There, no, you're just hitting me on the head. <laughs> Forget the fact that you're here right now, but you've got personality because I worked with one just this week and the difference for her was she had personality. She said... The thing that makes me different as a bookkeeper is I've got personality and I talk to people. I don't. I talk about people. I don't talk about numbers. And for bookkeepers, that is a difference. Yeah. Okay. We've got a guy in our group. He's a great guy. His point of difference is automation. He says, the thing that makes me different is I specialise in finding the right apps for my clients that allow them to automate the function so they don't need to pay someone to do it. Yep. That's his point of difference. Then the final thing is you say your name and your company name. So it's the grabber, it's the pigeonhole. If the grabber doesn't give it, it, and the, it often will, then it's what you do, then you, who, it, who you do it for, what makes you different, and your name. There's the formula. And that's what you do. And that's how you network. Now, here's the problem. People then, when they get to the, they learn a pitch, and then when they get to the next function, they wing it. Capitulate. Then they capitulate. Eh, what a word. Yeah. They oh, just they that's fall that's back to their old one. And the reason we just they, die. The yeah. reason they fall back to their old one is because most of the other people are giving an old traditional pitch, which is not memorable. You've got but to you be stand memorable. up and then all of a sudden you forget what's going on you and you're nervous. You're nervous because of what's happening in the room and then the pressure well, the focus is on you. And because like, people oh, get nervous when they stand up. Uh, get nervous when they stand up. On oh, the I understand you get nervous when you stand up, but surely I think that's the fun. Is that not the fun? Bit of edge, bit of excitement, bit, of, adren- bit of adrenaline. And that's the way you should look at it. You should look at it at as that way. Don't get stressed it's like, out. It's like favorite famous sports people. I mean, you never ever hear them say I'm nervous. They always say I'm excited. It's the same feeling. They just yeah attach a different we character to it. I've got a guy in my business networking group who is an insurance bloke, and Bless insurance it. by nature is a bit darty. And he'll get up and he'll do a Forrest Gump's act from many different TV shows to be different. And, and that, that's it, a bit weird for an insurance guy. Uh, it's ah, interesting. So the bit weird is the bit that sells. Yeah. That's just the Memorable. point. You've got to be weird. Now, you've got to take that with a grain of salt, that word, <laughs> but you've got to be unusual. You've got to stand out from the crowd. Oh, to, I, I agree with yeah. you whole hug. I'm just not sure Forrest Gump's the way I'd go as an insurance guy. David Julian Price. Doesn't speech, matter if, speaking it, coach. if you link it back. Yes, Anthony. Is... I'm wondering now, go big, go large. Is there ever a too big, a too large? Or are we, are we really seeking that memorable moment? We're judging the audience based off that. What do you mean we're judging the audience? So I get up and I go big, I go large. Maybe I make a bit of an ass about myself and I'm like, oh, I've got a bit of a sense of humour that's left of centre. <laughs> Is it good or do I then think of? Well, David, I'm assuming I better you've seen back, some mate. of these dodgy presentations. Yeah. What, are you, what would you give Anthony out of 10? Yeah, what come would on. I do? What, no, I'm assuming you've seen some of, yeah. of these dodgy pitches. Yeah. What, what would, would you give him out of 10? Give who? Anthony. What, for his pitches that I've heard him do? Yeah, yes. absolutely. Oh, three? Yeah, okay. Because I know that he can do way, way better oh, than absolutely. he does. He always undersells himself. So he way better than man. he does. And the reason is he's already answered it. He wins yeah. it. Yeah. And you can't wing it. I think he wings it because he's trying to play up to people. And I actually think he's probably secretly prepared it to say. No, you know what? And this is it. Like small business owners, we all feel the pinch of being too busy. And it's okay. You go along to an event because you have to and because you want more business. And this is what we talked about a heap of business networking last week. And it's we did, good yeah. in the right we're, we're circumstances. And when you get there, shit. I Are you ready to go into hyperdrive? Give it to me. What, what, I, I love it. So, what you do is you develop a pitch. Okay? That's what I do with people. We develop a pitch. Then I say to them, now you've got to learn it. Okay. The problem is, this is where we go into hyperdrive. You've got to learn it so it doesn't sound like it's learned. Run that by again. You've got to learn your pitch so it doesn't sound like it's learned. So, James, who's your favourite actor? Anyone? Rob De Niro. No, I don't really have one. Oh, genuinely, I don't Anyone have one. would do. Today would be good. <laughs> <laughs> 
Jim Carrey, go. Jim Carrey. Now, when Jim Carrey is performing a role, okay, who is it on screen? Who do you think it is on screen? I think it's his character. Yeah, it's the character. It's the role. But who is it really? Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey. Now, to get to that, how many rehearsals do you reckon he's done? Yeah, hundreds. Hundreds. Exactly, hundreds. I have people who say, who answer that question, they say, oh, two or three. And I say, you clearly know nothing about acting. Actors will rehearse hundreds of times. But what do they rehearse? They rehearse the words. They rehearse the way their body's going to be, their posture at that time, their facial expression. They'll rehearse down to how they hold their lips. They rehearse down to what they do with their eyes. They rehearse down to the angle of their head. They rehearse down to where their hands are going to be. They rehearse everything. So by the time they've done that hundreds of times, it looks as though it's not rehearsed and it's no longer Jim Carrey. It's the actor. Now, don't interpret from that I'm saying you have to rehearse your pitch a hundred times, but you do need to have to rehearse it six or ten times to make it sound like it's not rehearsed. So there's the term we use in our business is the art is hiding the art. In other words, the art is hiding the fact that you have rehearsed this and you've learned it and it's actually not your natural words. It's words you've written from a script, you've read from a script. The art is hiding the art. So what most people do is they develop a really good pitch. They think, oh, yeah, that'll be good at my next time. And then when they get to the next time, as you said, they're busy and everything. Oh, I don't remember that one. I'll just go with my name's Fred Nurk and I'm a massage therapist or whatever and have zero impact. Yes. Actually, they don't have zero impact. They can have a minus zero impact. A bad pitch gets a minus zero impact. Because here's, uh, do you want to go into hyper hyperdrive? Yeah, let's oh, go down people, this hole. People listen, and this is not just pitching. This is presentation across the board, and pitching fits into that. So when you stand up and speak, what's the first thing that happens with the audience? What do they do? They judge you. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. 30 seconds, yes, 100%. Yep. You haven't started speaking yet. No. Nope. They've already judged you. They watch you walking up if it's a stage. They'll watch the way you go up the stairs. They'll watch the way you walk across. Now, they're not doing this consciously. They're not consciously looking at him and saying, I'm going to watch this gentleman to judge him. No, they don't no, do that. Everyone but goes, they oh, just do. shit, this is going to be boring. Yep. So, sorry, interrupt. The, how do you open then? If they're judging you, do you, hey, friends, or good morning, ladies Grabber. and gentlemen. Or Grabber. You give them the what bat, they're not Grabber. expecting. Okay. You give them a grabber. You don't say good morning. You don't say good afternoon. Get you don't, no. no, you don't Make say good all. You don't possible. say any of that. You just go straight into yeah. your presentation. Yep. The best pre- ones that I've seen and I teach and I do, I always start with a story. Okay. I just go straight into the story. And sometimes that story might even start with once upon a time. Not often. It'll normally start with some other aspect of setting the scene of the story. But- You stopped me on my path. Let's go back to our path. So you've judged. Then you start speaking. Now, here's the judgments that get made. The audience judges you on the basis of what you look like. We'll put that on a little shelf and come back to it in a minute because that comes into dress, clothing. Okay. And then they make a judgment on your intelligence, your competence, and whether you're going to be boring or not, and they make all of that, the research has shown they make all of those judgments within about the first 10 seconds. Okay. Okay. So they've judged, and whatever they've judged, that's what they're expecting. Let's now pull the clothing bit off the shelf. You've got to dress according to your audience. Okay. So some people, I think, arrogantly dress for themselves. Three rules of real estate. What are they? Correct. Show up. Three rules of presenting are presentation, sorry, are audience, audience, audience. Okay, you've got to dress for the audience. So the rule of thumb is always be the best dressed person in the room. Okay. Okay. Because then you minimise, you completely mitigate the idea of people judging you negatively on the basis of what you look like. But I have a problem often with young guys particularly who don't know what an iron is. The problem, and that's fine. I don't care that they don't know what an iron is. All young guys out there, unless they're in front of a a business audience who are forty plus. The forty plus year olds iron their shirts. The twenties don't. Okay, but the forties judge them. Now you can overcome that judgment 
Sure, that's easy. But why put a barrier in you in way? Especially when it's just a little bit of extra prep and you can just... With a little bit of extra prep, yeah. So women are much better at this than men. Women know that their dress will have an impact on the audience reaction. Well, women used to compete against each other. So it's they used to, yeah. yeah. Look, for whatever reason, women are much better at this than men. So for every man that I coach, I say, is there a woman in your life? Get her to check you before you go out to speak. And they'll frequently say... Your fly's undone. <laughs> now, that's the most common one for men. Or they'll say, you're missing a button on your shirt. Go and change your shirt. A man wouldn't notice that. And the young guys wouldn't think it mattered. Even this morning, I was at the gym this morning and we were talking to some lawyers and they were saying, they've worked in Sydney and it was like full suit. Oh, yes. Then they went to Dubai and they were like, even worse, come to Perth. No tie. You know, no tie. No yep. tie. And if you wore a jacket. That's why you, you have had to do to. all the research. Yeah. That's why you have to research what your audience is expecting you to look like. Now, when it comes down to the audience, if you're not sure what to how to deal with that, you think about the person who's giving you the check or the person that you want to give you the check. They're the one that you dress for. Okay. Last night I did a job. I do, I'm an independent chair for strata meetings. I go in when they have their AGM when it's difficult. I have no axe to grind because I don't have a member of the strata. I just go in and chair the meeting. Now I wore a suit and I wore a tie. First time I've worn a tie in months. Not one other person in the room was in a tie, but it didn't I've matter. Got a story about they ties. expected me to look professional. Yes. They were paying me good money to do a professional job on a fairly difficult issue and so I decided I needed to look the part so I wore a suit and I wore a tie but uh, this morning I was doing one no tie depends on the audience but uh, look, uh, this rabbit hole that we could go down too much yes you just need to dress appropriately but if you're younger think about your audience if you've got an older audience they think differently about clothing to you if you're younger hairstyle I'll give you a classic example if you've got an audience that has women in it and you walk in and you're wearing a pair of jeans or trousers with belt loops and no belt, I'll guarantee you 99% of those oh, they'll women all notice. have noticed within seconds. And your shoes. Oh, the shoes. The, the shoes. most important thing. You've got to have clean shoes. Work on those sort of things. Right. And that makes the difference. But in terms of let's bring it all back to where we started all of this on presentation skills, it takes time and people don't understand the person I'm walking with at the moment for International Women's Day I said to her yesterday I said because we're now on about hour number six of working with her and she's that doesn't count all the background stuff that she's doing and I said this is this takes a long time and she said yeah I knew it would take a long time but I didn't know it would take this long. and no one does no one realizes how long it takes to prepare a presentation ready to go here's another thing that happens for more senior people that I come across a lot Let's say we're the CEO of a corporate. The problem is, there's two problems. They've got to give a presentation and that presentation has to be good because it matters. Mm. But they don't have time. So what do they do? They give it to their PA to prepare. And with the greatest of respect to the PAs, the PA doesn't have the faintest idea how to even start preparing a presentation. So that's what I could do. I go in and... I'll sit down with them and say, okay, what do you want to say? How do you want to say it? What are the steps along the way? And then we get that content and then we work on the presentation of the content. Wow. So that gets me into a question that just comes straight automatically to the forefront of my mind. How do then you get started in engaging in these speaking engagements? Some people just, okay. So th there's generally a number of types of speakers. The first type of speaker is the person that's just got a message they want to sell. Your typical greenie wants to get out there and convince everyone they need to be a greenie. Okay, That's one type. It doesn't need to be politics. It could be a, a cause, a charity, whatever. And they just get out there and talk. The second one is your sports person, who your sports celebrity. Yep. They're celebrity speakers and they subdivide into sports people and ex-politicians, really. And those tend to stay in the market for a few years, but... By the time they've done four or five everyone's years. Everyone's heard the story. Yeah, yeah, everyone's heard the story. And there's now new people that are coming in. Okay, And the ex-politicians, depending on who they are, an ex-prime minister will be speaking for the rest of his life or her life. And But an ex-normal ex-poly might only speak for two or three years because, you know, the, the market doesn't want them anymore. Then you have for the, what I call the circumstance speakers. They're the speakers where something has happened to them. 
usually something disastrous. Um, so they've been in an event like the earthquake or something and they tell their story. There's a guy that used to go around, he was in the 9-11 in New York, sure. so he used that as a thing and he talked about that. So they're the circumstance speakers. Then you've got industry speakers. Industry speakers are nearly always academics or really high flyers in a particular industry like in the construction industry and people will book them because they want to hear about that particular industry or whatever. And then you've got people like me who are the professional speakers who come in for a particular purpose in a conference. For instance, I'm developing a keynote at the moment, which is on meetings. It's a very funny look at meetings, as everyone hates meetings. So I'm developing a very humorous presentation, and I'm going to pitch that for the after-lunch slot, which they call the graveyard shift in conferences, because no one wants to do that, and I'm very happy to do it. I can keep an audience awake. So I'm developing that. So they're the ranges of speakers. But before all that, you've got to be able to speak. There's a few people that I've seen. I'll give you an example. I coach speakers as well. So I'm, they call me the coach's coach. So I coach speakers. And I had a guy now about two years ago. He was what I would call a circumstance speaker. He had the most horrific injury occur to him. And I'm not going to tell you what it was because that will identify him. But he had this horrific in- injury. And he was getting booked around town a little bit and he asked me to coach him so that he could do something. And the bottom line is I said to him, how much coaching have you had in speaking? He said, I've never had had any in my life. Yep. And Pretty common. And he showed me a video of himself and I thought, it shows because he didn't know what he didn't know. Anyway, the end result was there are people who are uncoachable and he was one of them. He thought he was already pretty damn good. And what could I possibly teach him? He had, he was absolutely in that I don't know what I don't know category. He had no idea. And he was uncoachable. So there's people like him who just get out and what I say is they just talk. Don't speak. Speaking is with purpose and it has a, it, it has a structure and there's a path that you take the audience along. And all he did was talk about the day he had his accident and look at what it's done to me. It's horrific. There was no point other than be safe. Yeah. yeah, but he could have made it. Safety talk. Yeah, it was a safety talk, and he could have made it much, much more than he did. So if we go back to the beginning, people need to know how to speak, and there's really only two ways you can learn how to speak. There's two organisations that do that in the community. The first is Rostrum. That's the one that I'm a member of, and I've been a member for 43 years, and the other one is Toastmasters. Toastmasters is much better. I was going to ask you that. Toastmasters are much better known than Rostrum. You need to go along to both and see what suits you. My bias, as I said, is Rostrum. Been there 43 years. Rostrum's the oldest public speaking So is this like networking for speakers? No, this is a training. Oh, a training provider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Toastmasters is where you go It's not a training provider. It's a club that does public speaking. Okay. So they're clubs. They'll give you those speaking skills, but it's a very, it's a classroom situation almost. Okay. Oh, no, it depends on the club. Yeah. Some are classroom, but my rostrum club, we have an absolute ball and you, no one would ever call it a classroom. But there's horses for courses, but rostrum's the oldest public speaking organisation in the world. It's 100 years old this year and it, it delivers the goods as far as I'm concerned. But Toastmasters also does that. So the rule of thumb is you've got to try both and even within those, you've got to try the clubs within rostrum and the clubs within Toastmasters yep. to find the one that suits you because every club, they vary. Yeah. But that's what you need to do initially. So when I get a new speaker, as I and I don't really go looking for new speakers, but if I do, people often get sent to me, I say first thing you'll do is go and join Rostrum or go and join Toastmasters. And when you've done a year of that, then you'll understand the craft. You won't necessarily be good at the craft. So people think, I'll give you an example, my Rostrum club, we meet on a Wednesday night. Some guy rocked up one night, this was years ago, let's call him Fred. Hi, Fred, how are you? And why are you here? And he said, oh, I need to speak at my daughter's wedding, so I'm here to learn public speaking. I said, oh, okay, when's your daughter's wedding? He said, on Saturday. (laughs) (laughs) Now, we can laugh and we laughed as well, but the problem is he was serious. He had in his mind that he could go to one, one night, one evening, and learn to be a public speaker so that he would be good at his daughter's wedding. There's two problems with that. First of all, you can't do it that quick. And he clearly hadn't started preparing yet for the wedding three days away. Oh, wow. Oh, good news is you got 48 hours. Now, while that, I'm the first to admit, is uncommon, it's not unheard of, but the what you can extrapolate from that is that people think it's quick. People think it's a quick fix. I've been in Rostrum 43 years. I've been speaking professionally for 37 of those years all around the world. 
but I still go to Rostrum. And what I do at Rostrum is I experiment. I use it to experiment with new material. In general, whether it's Rostrum or Toastmasters, it works roughly like this. You go for the first year and you get confidence and you get really confident about things. But then you've got to start building competence in speaking. So in your second year, you'll really build on that confidence, you'll get competence. And then in the third year, you really start to polish. And if you've done Rostrum or Toastmasters for three years, you can stand up and speak about anything, anywhere, anytime. Yeah. Because you've got the skills. Confident. It's, is that is 98% confidence? And oh, if look, that's simplistic, but if we answer simplistically, the answer's yes. If you don't have confidence, you are not going to be good. And I feel confidence comes from a place of knowing your product, knowing your business, knowing your sales. I mean, for what I'm learning is that you can be confident and you can spit out a lot of verbatim, if you like. Yeah. But what I've been learning this week, it's been a really rude awakening in the last week and a half, actually, I'll tell you, Anthony, is that the science of language is way more powerful and the words that you use and how you use them, oh, it's mind-blowing. How you, uh, One of the big things that I'm trying to work on is my speed of pace. One of the things I noticed about David here is that his cadence of speaking is impeccable and it follows you along. With yeah, but yeah. it's too fast at the moment. I would slow down if I had an audience. But because within reason, the slower the speech, the more impact there is. Now, the within reason is really important. But you need to vary the cadence. Cadence needs to change. I do a thing on the exercise bike at the gym, a, a sprint thing. It's eight seconds of frantic and 12 seconds of just steady and then another eight seconds of frantic. Speaking is a bit like that, but not the eight and 12 seconds. You emphasise some things and you change your pace and you pause more. Pausing is way more powerful than speech, providing there is some speech. So you can't just stand up and pause for the whole time. So that's interesting. That's a top tip, I think. A top tip when you're meeting people and you're selling yourself, mix it up. Yeah, absolutely. Mix it up. If you're trying to sell your services in front of 100 people, well, especially, pause, at these, pause is okay. especially at your networking groups where you see each other every week, I do think that's important to mix it up a bit. Can you remember the grabber that I use about the gem? Can you remember? I'm, yeah, a, miner. I'm a miner. I mine gems in people. That's a metaphor. So the most powerful thing to use in communication, in oral communication is and written, is metaphors. So you need to find metaphors. So I'll give you an example. I was working many years ago with a large mining company. It was at Moomba. Now, Moomba is a gas plant in the middle of Australia, basically. If you put your finger on a map of Australia in the middle, that's roughly where it is. It's just in the middle of the desert. There's nothing there. But this plant is this huge conglomeration of pipe. It's not a building. It's just conglomeration of pipes all together. They don't need a sheeting outside. And it's about, oh, my guess would be a couple of hundred metres long and about 30 metres high and 40 metres wide. And I was working with this group of engineers in a donger and we were about 200 metres away from this thing and I was making the point about metaphors. And I said to them, okay, you're all engineers, you're all war here, tell me what that plant does. And typical response from engineers is, what do you mean? And I said, simple question, what does it do? And they came out with all this technical stuff and then some guy said, it's a washing machine. And I said, oh, what do you mean? And he said, well, simple. He said, at that end, you can see the pipe comes in from the desert, that's the gas, and at the other end, three pipes go out and that's the gas that we've separated and cleaned and we and we send that to Adelaide. The other engineers all laughed and I said, is he wrong? And they said, no, he's not wrong, but we couldn't possibly say that. And then I said, why not? I said, if in one, in two words, he sums up what that plant does, then isn't that effective? So who their audience is, is bankers. What do bankers know about pulling gas out of the ground? Nothing. All they want to know is this thing. Does it make money? <laughs> I take it a step further. Keep it simple. Yeah. Keep so, it simple. Then there was this tower thing on this plant. So I said to them, okay, what does that tower do? And one of them just said, ah, smarty pants, that's the spin dryer. I said, tell me what that means, what you mean. And he said, he said, all that is this huge centrifugal thing. He said, and the raw gas comes in the bottom, it all gets separated by on the centrifuge, and the gas separates out at different levels. It's exactly the same as the washing machine, as the spin dryer on your washing machine at home. And yet here's this multi-billion dollar plant that they couldn't explain until they got to a metaphor. And once the metaphor was explained, 
use Everyone a understood. metaphor. You've got to use metaphors. Use a metaphor. And start collecting metaphors. You will find the best salespeople, whether they're written or spoken, the best authors in, in your world, in the world of podcasts, the people who communicate the best will use metaphors. Wow. I've used lots while we've been talking. That's a really good one when, in terms of speaking. Some people adopt that and they think that more being said is going to have an impact. A pitch is a perfect example. People think a longer pitch will have more impact than a shorter pitch. No, it Wrong. turns people off, doesn't Other it? Other way round. The shorter the pitch, within reason, the better. The shorter the pitch, the better. Right, eh? Best pitch is about 20 seconds long. Aim for about 20 seconds. Perfect. 20 seconds long, 40 seconds to go, one hour. That was pretty good. Anthony, any more questions for David? Whilst we, we've got Dave, here? yes. How can people Notice find what he just you? David Dillian Price. He doesn't listen. How can people find you and what's a good introduction to your course and basically how can they come on board with you? Okay, so several ways. The first is I run pitching workshops and I do those about every six weeks. There's another one coming up in a few weeks. You can find me at davidprice.com. Not.au, just davidprice.com. And that's one way, the pitching workshops. That's how perfect people for that are salespeople. Okay. The perfect people are salespeople who need to go out to clients because people think the pitching only happens at networking groups. It doesn't. It happens the first time you meet a client. It's the, everything come, happens there. So that's the pitching. The second thing is I coach speakers, same thing, davidprice.com, it's all there. And the other thing that's not quite the focus of what we've talked about today, although I've mentioned it, is meetings. That's really my speciality in how to run effective meetings in organisations. Meetings are the most unpopular aspect of the workplace all around the world, has been forever, but people – and the fixes are really easy – People often have a problem admitting that they have a problem with their meetings. It's just nearly always the chairs and they're nearly always the problem. Oh, God. Steering committees. And I've checked out David's website. It's pretty comprehensive. Jump on his social media as well because you are pretty good at social media. I don't know if that's Ooh. yourself or your wife. You're prolific. I would change up. My only advice to you would be to change up your creative images every time. With a grabber, I don't like your images. So this is the bit of in, in return, unsolicited advice. Right. So you need a grabber, just like you're speaking, your images need to be a grabber with a call to action. I think call to action may be okay. It's just the images because you use the same sort of design. But I like it and I like the messaging. So, again, jump on David's socials and jump on his website. Check it out because it's pretty damn good. It's all a work in progress. As yeah. am I. At 68 years old, I'm <laughs> Aren't still we all, though? <laughs> Aren't we all? Yes. All right, Anthony, we're going to get to our favourite bit. Michael, Give it to me. Are you going to do what? So, Have you been practising this all week? You should have been. It's James and Anthony, I think. Is that right? That's it. But okay. what, are we going to, what are we going to let Michael do? Take it away. Exceptional. listening to the inbound outbound podcast be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss an episode if you enjoyed today's episode be sure to share with a friend and leave a rating and a review we'll see you next time on the inbound outbound podcast